Good morning. I feel like it's a little dark in here, is it? Maybe we could have someone hit those lights for us. Um, Josh mentioned a couple uh, things in the announcements about ways you can get involved and, and be part of all the missions stuff that we do here at Grace. Uh, I want to mention one other thing. This is um, the last Sunday that you can sign. Excuse me, that you can sign up for our uh, house church meeting that's going on a week from today. If you come next week to TJ, you will um, not be attending a church service here. You will be attending the Arlington County Fair. So just so you're aware of that. Um, and maybe that would be an upgrade for some of you. I don't know, but I hope not. Um, I hope not. Um, anyway, let me just say this, because um, it wasn't too long ago that I was kind of walking into church and kind of checking everything out and nervous about crazy Christians attacking me and stuff like that. So that was, you know, within the last decade or so. And so some of you may be like, okay, yeah, this house church thing, like I feel comfortable coming to this place and I know it's what I'm getting and I know it's controlled. But if I walk into a house church meeting, like, I don't know what the heck I'm getting. They could be crazy. There could be snakes and oil there. You know, they could lock the door. We could be there all day. You know, what in the world is this whole house church thing about? Well, Really what we're trying to do is we're trying to experience church the way they did 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, minus the being burned on stakes and persecuted and all that good stuff. But they met in homes is what they did. And so um, what I just a couple things to reassure some of you who are maybe a little nervous. Um, we hand-select all the hosts, okay? Hand-select all the hosts. These are people that we know well, that we trust. We limit the service to one hour. Okay, that's, that's the deal. Um, we're going to be pre-recording the next uh, message in this series uh, at the end of this week. So you'll get to hear the next message in the series. So you'll watch a video. Basically, what you're going to do is you're going to come in. Um, you'll get a chance to meet the other folks who are there. You'll have some food, some drinks. You'll get, watch the video, and then you'll have a few minutes of discussion afterward. And, uh, and then at, at that one-hour mark, you know, you're, feel free to stay or you can go. So um, I hope that helps some of you who are like, maybe on the fence about this, and I would just encourage you to give it a shot. It's, it's pretty cool. We've gotten a lot of really neat feedback uh, from folks who've attended the, the house church stuff in the past. We do this about three times a year when we can't meet here at TJ. So I encourage you to check that out. You can fill out that white sheet, and you can drop it in the lobby at the Connect table after the service. Okay, well, um, if this is your first time, or maybe you've been away for a while, you really missed a treat last week. Uh, I don't know how many of you were here, but watching John go through that passage about women submitting, wives submitting to their husbands, was it was pure entertainment for me. It was, it was awesome. Um, and as he blamed it on me for mapping out the series, it's true. I definitely, I definitely gave him that sermon, and I wanted nothing to do with it. So um, anyway, we're going to be continuing on. We've been trekking through 1 Peter in the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to uh, bring it throughout this series. Take it out right now. We're in chapter 3, starting in verse 8. And um, Peter has been addressing wives, and he's been talking to husbands, and he's been giving instructions to slaves. That's what he's been doing recently in this letter. Uh, Now he turns his attention to all of us, to everyone. And this is what it says. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. Don't repay evil with evil, or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Will you pray with me? <coughs> Excuse me. Lord God, we just thank you for a chance to gather together and study your word. We pray you would uh, reveal your truth to us and show yourself relevant in our lives. 
Christ's name. Amen. So uh, the command here in verse 9 that I want to focus on today is uh, God saying through Peter, when someone does you wrong, you're supposed to pay them back with a blessing. You guys ever heard that expression, paybacks or hell? There's another expression along those lines that I really can't say in church. But, um, you know, and the, and the whole idea is, you know, paybacks or hell, man. Like, if you get me, wait till I get you back. It's going to be ten times worse, right? Well, this, this saying, paybacks or hell, it actually has perfect relevance for this verse 9. Because if you think about it, they, in this sense, like paying back evil with a blessing, that is kind of hell for us. I mean, because everything inside of us wants to pay that person back with something nasty and ugly and mean. And instead, we're supposed to somehow fight against all that's kind of naturally working inside of us and instead say, I'm going to bless you. I'm, I'm not going to hate on you. I'm going to bless you. Um, you know, Josh was just up here a few minutes ago doing the announcements, and, and he's our missions coordinator. Well, when he first came on staff a few years ago, um, the first trip, I think it was the first trip that, um, that we did when he was on staff was a trip to Appalachia. We were repairing homes for some families out in, uh, in West Virginia. And um, so we're, we're out there, and um, you go on these trips, and there's all sorts of, like, inside jokes and bonding that happens. And if you haven't been on a mission trip at Grace, you've got to go. It's, it's just an awesome time. But anyway, so we're, we're on this trip, and it just so happened that the, we were working on several different houses for different families. Oh, thanks, man. If anybody else wants to bring me gifts while I'm speaking, feel free. Um, so anyway, um, our particular house we were working on had this guy, the man of the house. Um, he loved to hunt, and he had this big rifle. And he would actually uh, hunt. It's, it's Appalachia, so you kind of do whatever you want. And so he was hunting from his front porch. Like, literally, that's where he would shoot the rifle from. And um, we showed up one morning, and we found a deer that had been, like, slain and gutted, and it was hanging about 20 feet from his front porch, hanging there, just, I mean, it was crazy. And so, anyway, it became like the running joke of the week, because we had several girls with weak stomachs on our team, um, who had just been given some deer jerky um, before they saw that, and it was really, it doesn't sound that funny, it was hilarious, okay? So, um, anyway, so it became this deal, well, towards the end of the week, you know, Josh had been giving everyone a, you know, a good time with that, and so we decided it would be really funny, since we'd been talking about the deer and all this stuff, if, you know, what if he went to go into his sleeping bag at night, and, like, he felt like part of the deer in the sleeping bag, and, like, you know, or maybe, like, kicked around when he was sleeping, and, like, thought he was dreaming about a deer, and, like, he felt that it was, it was going to be funny. It's not that funny, but it, it, it seemed like a really good idea in the moment, so we took this deer leg, and we actually hit it, it was my idea, we hit it in the, in the sleeping bag, and, um, you know, J- Josh is just one of those guys, kind of a big guy, real gregarious, you know, he just seems like a guy that would just love practical jokes. <laughs> he didn't at all. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, like, there's certain people and it's just really hilarious and they think it's funny. He did not. Like, it wasn't even a little bit funny. It was like, he, he was very, very upset. And, um, and so... Anyway, I was really impressed, though. Josh is a, a lot better guy than we give him credit for because he, um, you know, he didn't repay that evil with evil. He did nothing to get me. I'm still waiting, like three years later, uh, for him to get me back, and I'm sure it's coming now that I've reminded him of this. But um, I did threaten to get him fired if he, if he did anything to me. So maybe that's part of the deal. <coughs> but anyway, this is what the Bible calls us to. 
is to not repay evil with evil, but to repay evil with blessing. And I love the way the message translation, which is uh, a paraphrased translation. It's a little bit, not as much word for word, but more giving you an idea of the theme of each verse. And this is what the message says in verse 9. You know, in the beginning, it says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. And then here it is in the message. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. I thought that's so cool the way it says that. You know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's your job is to bless. It's to be a blessing in this world. Like that's how we're supposed to live. That's what we're called to. If you're ever in question about what you're supposed to do in life, there it is right there. Um, now this is one thing to like, look at and be like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like it's one thing to, to, to have that as your job when things are going well, right? You know, or like you're getting ready to go on a trip to Haiti or, you know, whatever the case may be. And you're excited about serving. It's a whole other thing when we're called to be a blessing, when things are really tough on us, like when we're just going through the ringer or that we're called to bless that person that is actually doing us wrong. See, you got to remember that Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are under tremendous persecution. This is 60 AD. I mean, the, the Roman Empire is cracking down on these Christians. And I mean, it, it is, it's ugly. It is really bad. And so in the context of this persecution, Peter is saying, it's your job to bless these people who are after you, who are gunning for you. You're supposed to bless them. Now, that's crazy radical if you ask me. We're not talking about the feel-good blessing kind of stuff, people in need and whatever. We're talking about blessing your enemies. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at that command that Peter is giving to this early group of Christians. I want us to look at that command in that context. We're called to bless those who've done us wrong or who are doing us wrong. And here's the key question that I want you to, um, to wrestle with as you're thinking right now, you're thinking, you've already got someone in your mind probably that you know is just, you know, done you wrong. It's just a thorn in your side, whether it's work, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whoever it is. But, you know, those people just kind of, they just kind of rise up in our mind. And here's the question that I want you to ask yourself and wrestle with. How can I bless them? There's a lot of words you might want to put in that blank. But the word to write in is bless, okay? B-L-E-S-S. It's not any other word. It's bless. We're talking about what the Bible has to say, not how we feel about that person. You might be saying, look, I don't want to, I'm not writing that word in. I don't like that word. I'm not, that person is not worthy or deserving of that word. And let me tell you, they're not. They're not worthy or deserving of the word. They're not worthy of the blessing, but you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for God. Okay. Can I get an amen? Okay. So if you feel that way, like you really don't want to write that word in because you're already kind of projecting and thinking about that person and it has something to do with like a voodoo doll and sticking, you know, whatever. Um, I want to give you two things that the Bible tells us to do as we're thinking about that person or whatever um, the deal is that we're kind of hung up on. Here are the two things from the Bible the Bible gives us to do for those people who did us wrong. The first one is we're called to forgive them. Forgive them. Matthew 18, 21 and 22 It says, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, Peter's thinking that's a big number. Like seven times you'd forgive somebody? And of course, we know Jesus' response. Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 
what Jesus is saying there is, you're called to forgive an unlimited number of times. That's what you're supposed to do. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus didn't just have these amazing teachings. Jesus lived this stuff out. He was an example of this stuff. As he hung on a cross, after being severely tortured, he's hanging on a cross with those soldiers mocking and taunting him. And look at what he says. Luke 23, 34. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You talk about powerful. He's forgiving them in the moment while they're still doing that to him. And you know, the deal with forgiveness, and we talked about this a number of months ago, but the deal with forgiveness is it's not, it's not, yeah, I mean, yes, you are setting that person free from your grudge, your bitterness, your hate toward them. It certainly is a blessing in some sense for them, but the greater blessing is actually for you. Um, the longer that you hold on to that bitterness and unforgiveness and that grudge, you're actually just, and I think John dem- demonstrated it really well um, earlier in this year where it was like you, you've got that person and they're like chained to your back. and You don't even realize it, but you're walking around with them because you're thinking about them all the time. You know, you, you're just angry and upset. So they're still, they're still there and they're still hurting you in, in many ways. And so what we have to remember about f- forgiving them is it also sets us free. It sets us free. Big, big deal there. I and mean, th- this is really, really tough stuff. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes this takes a long, long time to, to, to pray through and figure out, but um, it's what the Bible calls us to. Second one that we're called to do to those who've done us wrong is pray for them. Matthew 5.44, Jesus says, but I tell you, and actually the verse before he says, you know, you've heard it said that you're supposed to, you know, love each other or whatever. And he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, this one is really tough. I don't know which one's harder, you know, the forgiveness one or the actual praying. And by the way, we're not talking about like praying like, you know, that God would rain fire down. When we say pray for them, um, we're talking about, you know, praying, you know, in a good way for them, that God would bless them. Um, So that's important that you understand that context. If you can do this, and these are two of the hardest things that we'll ever do, um, but if you can do this one, what I found in my life is when I actually got to the point, for me it was forgiveness came first, but it was a while before I could actually pray for the person. Um, but when I finally started to do that, it was amazing. It was like God wouldn't let me, I couldn't keep praying and also still kind of hold on to this hardness. Like I just couldn't, I, it just wouldn't happen. It was something in the prayer was just like, it was, it was, something was happening inside of me. It was really, really powerful. And so, um, you know, if you can do this, um, it will, God will start to, to work on your heart. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what can happen. And so if you were filling in that blank, that question, how can I bless them? And you're thinking, no, 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 I'm not even close to there. If you can get to that point where you forgive them and you pray for them, uh, God will start to show you things that you can do to bless them. And I just want to say this. Um, 
when it says to bless those, you know, who, who persecute you, who hurt you, who do you wrong, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, you're supposed to, you know, stay in an abusive or dysfunctional relationship or situation. That doesn't mean that, that um, you know, you're, you're going to have full reconciliation. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We're just saying that in some way, we, what we're called to do is we're called to return a blessing. We're called to return love in the place of evil. So... It's crazy. It's totally countercultural. It's like, the, I mean, I think, I think this, it's just, this letter just keeps getting more radical to me as we move through it, if you've been sticking with this series. Um, but let me tell you what happens if we return a blessing for um, when, we, when, we, when someone does us evil. Let me just tell you a few things that we find in First Peter that happen, okay? The first one is this. When, when you bless those who hurt you or who do you wrong, it improves your odds. It improves your odds. 1 Peter 3.13 says, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Now, what God is saying here through Peter is it's, it's kind of like those Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, like those wisdom books of the Bible. These are, these are general wisdom sayings, okay? And so basically what this is saying here is that, you know, if you return um, blessing for evil, it just improves the odds that things would go well with you. That's the essence of it. How many of you here would like to have less enemies? Or maybe I could say it a different way. How many of you would like to have less people that you kind of just like have these contentious relationships with and you butt heads with? How many of you would just like to have less of those people in your life? You know what I'm saying, right? And it's always their problem, their fault. But anyway, um, that's another sermon. Um, Here's the thing. If with those people, you would just start, don't ask, don't figure out who's right. Don't figure out how annoying they are or how irrational they are. What if you just started to bless them? No matter what they did, you just started to bless them. Just love on them. Just bless them. That's your job. Just love on them. What if you did that? Basically, what God is saying here is that if you are just eager to do good, if you're going to return a blessing, you're, it's just going to help you out. You, you'll, you'll find it just is, things are going to be better with you. It improves your odds. Second one, when you bless them, people will ask why. People will ask why. 1 Peter 3.15, it says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And then a very famous, uh, very famous sentence. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. How many of you guys have heard that verse before? Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Okay, I've heard this verse a whole bunch of times. And it's always in the context of like, you better be ready. You know, you always got to be ready to share your faith, you know, because you, because you better give a reason. It says right here in 1 Peter 3.15. Um, you know, I've never kind of read this verse in the context of the whole letter before. But it's, it makes sense why it's just kind of stuck in there. I always wondered, why did you just kind of throw that in there randomly? there. Here's the reason why this is put in here, right here. He's just like, he's talking about all this blessing and stuff, and then he just says, hey, you better be ready to give the reason. Well, here's why. If people are ugly to you and do you wrong, and you turn around and you bless them, and you just love them, they're going to wonder what the heck is wrong with you. Seriously. And they're either going to think that you've gone crazy, or that there is some force that's taken over your natural system and way of doing things, right? 
And so basically what Peter is saying here is when you get into this mode where you realize as a follower of Jesus Christ, you react totally differently than the way the world reacts, the way you want to react in your instinct, in your gut, okay? And he says, when you return this evil for blessing, what's going to happen is people are going to start to be like, what in the world is going on here? And they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you. And when they ask you, you're supposed to be prepared to give a reason for why you're acting the way that you're acting. Now, let me just say, I think this is one of the most effective ways that we can share our faith. The most, one of the most effective ways. And if you look at the Bible, you particularly look at the book of Acts, it's actually a model that you see for sharing your faith. Because what happens is, throughout the book of Acts, what people see God moving in the lives of Christians. They either see miracles and like crazy supernatural stuff happening, right? Or they just see Christians acting differently. There's some other thing at work here and they're intrigued and they start to ask, what's going on? What is this about? And, and over and over in the Bible, you see it over and over. People come and they ask because they can see God moving. If you return evil for blessing, people will see God moving in your life. It's just not a natural human thing that we do. And so when they ask you, we're called to give the reason for the hope that we have. And I just want to encourage you in that, in this, because um, you may be like, well, shoot, what am I supposed to say? You know, I, do I have to have something memorized? And what about, you know, which, do I take my Bible out? And I, do I start, you know, do I preach a sermon? I mean, what, what does that look like when they actually ask me? Well, it's very simple. You just give your reason for the hope that you have. It's just, you just... You don't try and make something up. You don't try and figure out what you should be saying. Just say it. Why, why, why do you come here on a Sunday morning? What, what, is it, what is it about coming here? How does that translate for your life? You know, what is it about Jesus Christ that, that you know, is appealing to you? Um, for me, uh, you know, it's, it's very simple. I just talk, so, someone asks me, you know, they find out I work for a church or whatever, and they're, they're kind of curious and I just, you know, for me, it's just, for me, faith in Christ, it just brings me so much peace. You know, that's one of the biggest things for me. I'm like a high-stress person. And it just brings me a lot of peace, knowing that God is with me, no matter what. You know, and having that, that, that guidance, you know, that, that wisdom, that, that leadership of Christ, it, it, it's, it's awesome. And so, you know, but whatever it is for you, you don't have to try and convince them. Just share the reason for the hope that you have. And then it says, continuing on, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So pretty obvious here, but when you share your faith, especially you got to remember, if someone's being really ugly to you, okay, and then you heap all this, like, love and kindness and, like, you're blessing, I'm telling you, you'll freak them out. I'm just telling you, you will freak them out, okay? You do this, there's still part of you that then when they ask, you still want to nail them. I mean, you just, even though you're loving them, you still want to kill them. I mean, just, let's just be real, okay? And so, they're just, it's just, a sure, like, but when they finally ask you, just do it with gentleness and respect. Remember, these people are still people you don't like very much. And so you don't need to then just take it and just shove it down somebody's throat and stick it to them in that moment and be like, ah, see why I did this. I mean, then you've ruined the whole deal. You know, it doesn't work that way. And then it says, and keep a clear conscience. So basically, that's just meaning just conduct yourself in a proper way. 
you know, conduct yourself in the way that, that Jesus would. And let your actions speak even louder than your words. And that is how you share your faith. It's powerful stuff. Last one. When you bless them, even if you suffer, you're blessed. This comes right out of verse 14. Now, we read 13 already. It says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? It's this general proverb about, you know, it's going to, odds are it'll be better if you're just doing good. Okay, you'll have more friends, all that good stuff. People will like you. It'll be less, less trouble and suffering for you. But then it says in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. And I want you to pay attention to that little verb, are. You are blessed. It doesn't say you will be blessed. This isn't talking about some future blessing. This is a current state right now. You are blessed even in the midst of your suffering. Now that messed me up. I was like, what in the world does that mean? Okay, well, we need to unpack this word blessed. Okay, that word is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, blessed are those, in in the Beatitudes, as he starts his Sermon on the Mount, if you remember, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those. Again, in the present state, you're blessed right then, even in the midst of being persecuted. So that word blessed in the Greek is the word makarios. That word means blessed, um, most, most common way that it's translated, can also be translated happy or fortunate. But here's the essence of of this definition, and you've really got to get this. This isn't a feeling based on circumstances or situations. This word makarios signifies a deep contentedness based on the fact that one's life is right with God. It's not necessarily how you're going to feel in that moment, but it's a deep sense of, yeah, even though I'm suffering, I know I'm doing the right thing. And that just, that brings a level of contentment right there. He continues in verses 17 and 18 on the same theme. For it's better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And then we see this transition to ultimately what grounds us, what, where, our, where our focus needs to be, where we've got to keep our perspective. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous suffering for the unrighteous to bring you to God. So what God is saying here through Peter is that, you know, in the midst of trying to be a blessing to those who are really being ugly and evil to us and how difficult that is, we have to remember and take heart in the fact that Jesus Christ did the same thing. He blessed those who persecuted him. He loved those who were ugly to him. Hanging on a cross, he forgave and prayed for his enemies. We take heart and ultimately that God uses our suffering for good. You know, I don't understand when I'm going through something, I rarely understand or feel God in that moment. You know what I'm saying? I feel like God's far from me. I don't understand God's hand in it. I I don't get that when I'm really going through something tough. One of the things I anchor in is Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that in all things, in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so no matter what I'm going through, I just trust and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know how, how or why or, you know, what that's going to look like. But I just trust that somehow, some way, you are going to use this for good. You're going to redeem this thing. And, um, you know, what's amazing is that God can redeem anything. He can use anything. I mean, if you think about it, um, in this, Jesus comes down to the earth, right? And, um, and there's kind of this battle between good and evil going on. And I think about it from, like, the devil's perspective. And so, like, what was the devil's greatest moment, right? I mean, Jesus, it wasn't, like, the early parts of Jesus' ministry where he's, like, doing all these miracles and healing people and all that stuff. I mean, there's just all this great stuff going on. But then finally, Jesus gets arrested. And you can just almost feel like the devil just, just enjoying as, as the Son of God is just being mercilessly beaten and then hung up on a cross. And it's like, you, I just think, like, that was, like, that was evil's shining moment, you know? Like, just... Naked on a cross, you know, Jesus Christ, totally humiliated, totally humiliated, and then just dead. That's like the low point of all time, I think. And yet God uses the ultimate low for the ultimate redemption of all of us. That if we would believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, that he actually died and suffered for our sins so that we could be made righteous in the eyes of God, that we are all promised uh, eternity with God. And I mean, that's just amazing to me. If God can use that moment, the lowest of lows, God can use anything. Anything. I don't know what you're going through this morning, you know, how you're suffering. I mean, and, and there's, no, there's no thing that I can say that's going to that's gonna make that better or, you know, ease, ease your pain. But, but just what I do is I just trust. I just trust that somehow, some way, Romans 8, 28, that God is going to Use it for good somehow. I just cling to that when I got nothing else. All right, let's read these last couple verses here, and we're going to close out. Verses 18 and 22, talking about Jesus still, it says, He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. He has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So as Peter closes out this chapter of his letter, what he's reminding these Christians and he's reminding us today is we have this tremendous hope even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of when people are, are doing us wrong, is that ultimately Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father as the judge, that ultimately justice will be served. I don't know if you guys had, like, a famous superhero growing up, you know, when you were a kid. But, um, you know, I've always been enamored with this idea in my, in my adult life um, that, like, my favorite, if I could be any superhero, I don't know that there's one that exists, but I would be Justice Man. And a Justice Man basically would be the superhero, and he would definitely fly because flying is cool. Um, but, you know, Justice Man would fly around, and, like, all the injustices of the world, all the things, you, you hear those stories that just turn your stomach, you know, of all the things and all the suffering, all the terrible tragedies that are happening. Um, like I would fly around or, you know, whatever, and make those things right. And um, I think many of us can relate to that, just that want to see justice done in all things. And this is really the hard thing, you guys, because if we are going to repay an evil thing that happens to us with a blessing, we just 
all, we just can only focus on what we're called to do. And what we're called to do is bless. That's our part. And then we just have to trust that God's going to do his part. And this is, what, this is how this chapter ends right here, is ultimately it's this reminder. God, Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father is like sitting in the judgment seat. Okay? We're not called to judge. We're just called to bless. And we leave that to God and just trust that ultimately justice is going to be served. All right, uh, the music team's going to come up, and uh, they're going to play one last song. It's one of the songs that we sang in the, in the opening part of our worship set. And uh, really, it's just a powerful reminder to all of us. Um, as we think about this, here's the deal, you guys. Um, this stuff, this is very, very, very difficult to execute in your own strength and in your own power. I mean, it can be done. There's some of us just by grit and determination and just pure will could say, well, if this is what it says to do, I'm going to do it. But by and large, for the most part, it's just not something that you're going to have want anything to do with in your own strength. You, you need God's help. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I cannot tell you how awesome that is. Jesus is not just a mere teacher who gives these great teachings and sayings. But actually, if we put our faith in him, we're told through the scriptures that his spirit comes and lives inside of us and enables us to do things that we can't do on our own. And if you've been living too long, kind of feeling like you don't have that power, that is available to you today by simply just saying, God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here. I, I need your help. I know I've blown it. I know I've messed up. I haven't lived a perfect life, but I know one who has, and his name is Jesus Christ. And by trusting in Jesus Christ uh, and his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, then you're promised that you'll have God's spirit inside of you. And um, so this last song is, uh, is just a reminder to all of us that we're not alone, that we're not alone in this thing, and that um, as difficult as this may sound, as crazy, countercultural, radical as this is, that we can do it. Um, with God's help, we can do it. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we just thank you for this time and uh, a challenging message. There's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt in this room, um, a lot of just nasty stuff that we've experienced, a lot of people who've done us wrong. And we don't want to bless those people, God. We don't want to forgive them. We don't want to pray for them. Many of us want nothing to do with those people. Lord, help us to figure out for each of us what that means to bless them. Lord, um, this is wild. This is crazy stuff. For those who have never put their faith in you, Jesus, I just pray right now that you would help them just to admit their need for you as their Savior and to ask for your forgiveness and to accept your Holy Spirit. And um, Lord, by your power and your strength inside of us, help us to live radical lives the way you call us to. We thank you for the privilege it is and the high calling that you have on our lives, that job we have to bless even those who are the meanest, nastiest people in our lives. We thank you for it. In Christ's name.